So we've begun a series on the call of God, and the call of God covers a whole bunch of different things. Um, God is not single-faceted. He works in many ways in people's lives. And so what we've done is kind of gone through the Bible, picked out a few different people, a few different characters in which God has put a call on their life. Different types of calls that are good for different points in your life and different seasons in your life and things. Uh, Last week, we started with a universal call, we'll call it, where uh, Adam and Eve are in the garden, and of course, we know the fate of what happened to them. Uh, they chose incorrectly. They chose to eat the, the fruit of the tree that they were not supposed to, the one thing they couldn't do, and they did it. And before then, they had innocence, and they had walked in the garden. Uh, in a perfect place in paradise, and God actually walked with them, okay? And And it says that because it was not unusual that God and his voice would come through and spend time with Adam and Eve each day or on a regular basis, and then after they sinned, God came down and said, Adam, where are you? Of course, he knows where he is, but Adam has sinned, and so has Eve, and so that changed what they, uh, the way they looked at the world, and it changed their innocence. And so God then had the first call, the call to the human race of repentance. All right, so that was the very first call, the universal call was for repentance. So this... We're looking at some different universal calls kind of to begin with. This week we're looking at a very different call. um, And we're going to look in the book of Genesis also on a very different character. We don't know a lot about this gentleman, but we do know a few very important things. So we're going to go to the book of Genesis chapter number 5. Chapter number 5. Verse number 21, we're going to meet a man named Enoch. Enoch is a famous guy, although we only have a couple of sentences about him in the entire Bible. We're going to read his story in Genesis, and then we're going to see what it says about him. Chapter 5 of Genesis, verse number 21. And Enoch lived sixty and five years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred and sixty-five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. All right? That's the story of Enoch. Now, we have a few other supplemental things we'll add in as time goes. It's not much of a story. He lives for 65 years. I don't know if you can imagine not having your first child before 65, but I'm guessing you're pretty tired by the time you have your first kid at 65. Uh, (laughs) These men and women, in the very, very early days before the flood... There were men and women who lived a very, very uh, long time, okay? 
And as sin crept into the world, and, and it wasn't a creeping, it was a great rush and a great flood uh, of sin. And literally in eight generations between Adam and I think it was eight generations between Adam and Noah when the world just fell apart. But in those generations was God's original plan. Of course, God's original plan was paradise, right? Everybody lives eternally in God's paradise, and there is no sin, there's no death, there's no sickness, and so people live a very, very long time. And of course, those genes that Adam and Eve had were just perfect. Ours not so much. Okay, these days, we carry a lot of flaws in our genes these days, and sin has changed the human race and has stunted us from what God's original plan was. It's also stunted creation. Okay, you see, if you go out west, you see great big huge trees, and there's a very tiny strip of them, uh, and as you go and you look at the redwoods, you say, wow, that's an incredible tree. Some of them are 20, 30 feet in diameter, humongous trees, 350 feet high. And you say, what a world it would be if they were all, if the whole world was filled with these things. The reason they're so big is because they stay alive so long. Okay, those trees, some of them are five, six, seven hundred years. A lot of them are upwards of two and three thousand years old, and so they're huge. They grow and grow and grow and grow. They live in a little tiny slice where the weather is just perfect, and they've been there for a long, long time. Okay? That was God's original plan, and then sin came in and really just wrecked the whole place. And now we look at a big maple tree here that's 120 years old or something, and it's in its decline at that point. Things begin to decline. God never intended for that. He never intended for mankind to decline. But here it is. Sin's already crept into the world, and we begin to see people, their lives were long. Adam and Eve... And all through generations, they lived a long, long, long time, into the hundreds of years. Now, I don't know what I'd do after four or five hundred years. I guess something totally different. If you get bored of something, pick a whole new life, I guess. <laughs> I got another three or four hundred years to go. Um, so Enoch is this guy, and he's 65. He has his first son named Methuselah. Now, he's an important part Methuselah is an important part when he's 65 years old. He is a promise from God. His name basically means sword, which a sword is a weapon, right? It's a weapon. His name implies judgment. And the promise was this, at the end of Methuselah's life comes judgment. Methuselah, Enoch's son, was the longest man ever to live, at least written, recorded down, because God's mercy is, goes on and on and on. God is merciful. God is patient with the human race. So Methuselah lives 969 years while God waits patiently before the human race is in judgment with the flood. All right. Different world at that point before the flood, we see all these people living this like. So along comes Enoch, this man, 
And his father is Jared, who you've never heard of, except if you read it in the Bible. We don't know much about him either. But he lives 65 years. He has Methuselah, and he lives another 300 years. And all of a sudden, one day, Enoch is out for a walk, maybe with friends. People are with him, and he just vanishes. He's gone. No body. Doesn't like the body drops to the ground and he's dead. He just vanishes. No trace. Now, if a man went out for a walk and went out for four or five days and didn't show back up, people would say he must be gone out in the mountains. He died somewhere. And that's why I think he was probably with somebody else, at least one other person, if not other people, that said, we were walking with him, we were standing, he was right there, and all of a sudden, poof, he was gone. Now, I don't know if he had warning of this, or if he didn't have warning of this, but this was one of those times that God was almost a little impatient. If God could be impatient, he was almost a little impatient. And I'm going to tell you why when we turn over to Hebrews... We're going to go to Hebrews as we look at what little bit more we know about Enoch. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 5. We've gone to... The book written by Paul, and this is a section called, we, we like to affectionately call it Heroes and Hebrews, okay? It's a bunch of people who lived by faith, and it tells their story in a nutshell. So here is Paul passing down these, the rest of the story, we'll call it, for Enoch. Chapter 11 of Hebrews, verse number 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For that cometh to God must believeth that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That's the rest of the story that we know. So what does that mean? Well, one day as he's walking along somewhere or in his house somewhere or whatever, he vanishes and it says, that's all, it just says he was gone in Genesis. He was not. He was there and he was not. No magic, but God did something. In Hebrews it says, they translated him. So we use the word translate several different ways. One is to change from one language into another language. That's translation. Okay? It can be, it can mean changing form, but it can also mean moving from one place to another. It's translational motion goes from one place to another. So whether he changed form or not, we don't know, but we know he was there and then he was gone. All of a sudden, one day, he vanished. And why did he vanish? Well, it said he walked with God. 
But it said he had this one thing. If you summed up Enoch's life, if they made a gravestone for him, just as a memorial, they put this on his gravestone. And that was simply this. This was his story, his testimony. He pleased God. That's pretty simple. But it is more than enough for God. To live a life that pleases God. I've done lots of things in my life that I know are not pleasing to God. Plenty of things. Plenty of things I have to ask for forgiveness and repentance in my life. And I hope you don't write that all over my tombstone someday. <laughs> he really messed up a lot. It's true, but you don't have to say it like that. He pleased God and that was what everybody knew. So I think when he vanished, though people were sad and missed him, they knew what happened. Like I said, if, if maybe the chance that God was impatient in one time in his life, he said, that's enough, Enoch. I can't live with you out up here. Come on up here. I need you today. I want you up here with me. Not going to have you anymore on that earth. You've already done all the things I need you to do. Come on up. Now, God called him. And he was ready. And when he was called, his life was complete. God calls, and Enoch was ready. And that's the question. Are we that ready? If God calls us to step up to something in this life, Got a lot of strange things happening in this world. And you don't know what God's going to call us for. We don't know if this is the time we've been born for. Just like the book of Esther, right? This may be the time when God calls us to step up. Are we ready to go? If it was in the place of a, this is it, this is your last Breath, and you're going to do this in your last breath. Are we that ready to go? Listening to the call of God. I hope I am. But I know in me, I have doubts. Right? That's not Enoch's story. Enoch's is, he pleased God. That's his story. And it was enough for God to say, you're done. Come on up. I can't wait anymore to have you here. That means Enoch lived his life and he didn't care what others thought. He walked with God. He lived his life in such a way that God thought, you are so close to me, I just got to get you a little closer. Come right here with me. Now, it's important to note that Enoch did not die. It says that. He didn't die. He was just taken and moved to heaven with God in his presence. He didn't die. Now, some of you who know your Bible prophecy may believe that Enoch has a little bit more of a job to do here on earth. Okay? 
There's only he and one other guy that never died. Okay, he, both he and Elijah were taken up with a chariot of fire. Those are the two men on record that never died. They were just taken. When, the, when God called them, they were ready. Now, they may have a part in the end times. Uh, it may be possible, and there's people that have uh, said that they might be the two witnesses that come back at the end. So they may have more to do, and that may be part of God's plan. But the question is, for us, from Enoch, have we lived our life in such a way? Can we say that if tomorrow's the day or today's the day, we're prepared for God's call? Because God will call us all. If we go back in Hebrews just a page or two, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. Hebrews 9, 27. As it is appointed unto men once to die... But after this, the judgment. This is one of those other universal calls. We are all going to be called home someday. There's no way you get out of it. Unless if Jesus comes first and raptures you up. Okay? But pretty much there's no other way out of it. Okay? We're all going to be called in this life to go to God. We're all going to be called to death. And death is nothing more than translation for those who believe. It is translation from here to God's presence. Now we live in a world, and I, I've seen it a lot, worked at a hospital for a number of years, and as a facilities person, you always use all the back entrances and you get all down the tunnels and all the places where the public isn't supposed to see. So oftentimes the entrances that I used to get in there were ones also where the coroner was, okay? And many, many times I walked by and there's a big red body bag rolling out next to me. They don't roll them out the front doors, folks. And there's a reason they don't. is because many people, when they think of death or that call of God, that final call in this life, they, it brings great fear for them. There is great fear in this world with death. To me, I wondered what was under the body bag. What they look like? Who were they? I didn't open any, okay? <laughs> I probably would have been kicked out at that point, right? <laughs> so here was the thing, right? Having belief in God's promises, God is going to translate us if we believe in God and his promises that says, I will take you, right? I prepare, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. He's going to take us to that place to be with him. There is a call on every one of our life. And I don't know when that is. I can't guarantee that. Only God knows that day. I don't know that Enoch knew the day either. But when he was gone, everybody knew, well, we know where he is. Everybody knew where he went. 
because he was so close to God in his life that it was just one more step further. That's all. Just one more step. And there he was with God himself. Praising God. I go back to Philippians, the book of Philippians. Chapter 1. This is what Paul says about death. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet... What I shall choose, I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. So Paul writes to the Philippians and says, I would love to be with Jesus. That's where I want to be. But I also know that you need what I, the, the things I need to tell you. You need me here for that. I need to tell you and encourage you and, and work with you and help you. So I'm okay with that. And whether I live or I die, it's okay. I am that settled in my life that when the call of God comes, he says it makes no difference. The day comes, I'll be just as happy when I go, probably way happier. I'm okay with it. I am certainly glad of that. And so, God will call us all. God is going to take us all at one point or another. We don't know. It is the call on our life. As we go, let's go to 1 Corinthians. To finish up here, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul talking here again. I mentioned there's only one way out. And who knows, we might see that day soon. There's only one way out. He says, if you're not going to die, then you're going to be uh, taken away with the church, with a group of believers, in something that we've referred to as the rapture. All right? Verse 51 of First uh, Corinthians chapter 15. Behold... I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Okay, and that's where we're saying there's a few that live in that right time that will be taken. But we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible have put on incorruption, and this mortal have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, 
The strength of sin is the law. But many, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Here it is. There's that time. If our call and our time happens to, to include the rapture, he said, great, you'll just be taken. Kind of just like Enoch was. Whatever the call of God is on our life, we need to be ready for it. We need to be prepared for it. If there ever was a time when darkness and evil has overshadowed the earth and much more has been bold, it's been out there. It's everywhere. To be prepared is what we're here for. That's why we are standing here in this church, to prepare our hearts, and as in many other churches. And you know that there's the boldness of evil is out there saying, you can't meet in churches, you can't get together, you can't do those things, you can't listen to God, we're going to shut you up. It's out there. But we are here to stand firm and wait faithfully for what God has called us to do. That's sometimes what it is that God's asked us to do. Wait. We go, we wait, prepared for whatever it is that God has called us. And we should have no fear if death is that next call. That shouldn't be a f something that is, makes us afraid. Because the rest of the world, the people that hide the bodies coming out of the hospital so as not to fear people, bring great fear to people, we know they're not in there. The spirit of that person is gone, and if that person knows Jesus and believes in Jesus, they're right with God. They chose to believe, they're right with him. So when that day of that call comes for us, there should be no fear. My grandfather... He was probably in his 70s, and I remember him telling about a dream that he had. And he said he was raising up over top of his bed. He could see himself in his dream uh, and looked down, and he saw his wife sleeping there and his body still in the bed. And he said it was the most freeing feeling. I was just going up and up and up and up and up. And they said, and then I woke up. It was so terrible. It was disappointing, he said. Not that I don't like to be here, he said. But there is a great wonder about what God will do. There should be no fear to cross that line, to be translated when God calls us. The fear shouldn't be there. Seen people and heard stories about people in my family and other people that I've been around where... They talk about people that they see or things that they see that are very familiar in this life. People say, well, they're, it's, it's the, they're just, we don't know what they're saying. I'm like, well, God knows. God knows exactly. And if you've ever had one of those experiences or been around somebody that's in the last moments of their life, there's a certain reality that comes there. 
There's a certain reality. How much is real to you? Right? We don't get together and have happy funerals and celebrations of people's lives because we don't believe. We get together because we believe that it's real and it's true and it is the most real thing. And so when our time comes, when God has the call on us, which is appointed to all men, then we should be ready, like Enoch was, doing our very best to, to pull ourselves towards God, pray, read, do the things we need to do, seek him to find how close we can be. And be ready when it comes, whatever and whenever the time is. Thank you very much. Have a good day.